Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. This is Adam Rubichuk coming at you with Derek Swiste. Hey, hey. And Aaron Fleming. Buenas noches, mi gente. Ah, buenas noches, mi gente. So today, uh, I think we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about those teachers that are new to cooperative learning. You know, we've, we've been going through the essential elements. We heard from uh, David Johnson. We've talked about some group projects and, and, and some grading practices that go along with cooperative learning. But I think a very important question that we can ask is, how do you support those teachers that are just coming into cooperative practice for the first time? Uh, I know between Aaron, Derek, and myself, we have trained hundreds of teachers. And one of the most important lessons I think we learned from the Johnsons is that uh, you should never train more teachers than you can follow up with. Well, when you get into the hundreds, it's, uh, it becomes a little bit difficult. So I think uh, we, I want to learn from Aaron and Derek and see what kind of lessons and what kind of insights they have after all these years of bringing new teachers into the fold. I think the first thing that I would, you know, I, I always stress to the new teachers after they've gone through, you know, our, our Brown book, you know, the initial training is like when it starts to go bad, you know, and there's the graphic in the book and, you know, I'll let, you know, either of you comment on the, the, the research, you know, part of that, but it's, you know, when it starts to go bad, don't revert back to what you did. Don't put them back in rows. Don't, don't make all the work individual. Don't, don't go full out competition on everybody, you know, take a step back you know, assess it, reflect, evaluate, and, you know, norm everything back out. Hone in on what's the one social skill that I need to get kids doing a little bit better so that I can, you know, stress to them that this is the way that, you know, we need to do it. You know, how do I ramp up the interdependence? You know, which, which essential element do I need to, to, to focus on, I guess, but, you know, don't, the big lesson is don't stop when the first thing goes wrong. Yeah, and I think uh, the biggest thing, all of those are good good pieces of advice, but I think the biggest thing is to just start small. I think, uh, you know, ourselves, we probably all started pretty big. And uh, if you just take an essential element and try to get really good at that piece, whether it's social skills or positive interdependence or just what a base group, you know, just get really good at base groups for a whole year and, and uh, realize that teaching is a marathon, not a sprint. And if you're just keeping getting it a little bit better each day, you keep going, you're going to, you're going to be in really good shape. Um, yeah. You're going to peter out if you try to do it all, all at once. Um, and that's going to, that's going to make it tough. And one of the benefits of the way in which we run cooperative learning training is that we run it as um, a cooperative classroom. So we have our teacher participants working together. They're talking to each other. They're learning together. They rely on each other. And building that sense of community makes, you know, really ensures that you can take that learning and now you have a buddy, you have somebody you can lean on where that expert or that teacher might not always be next to you, but you can ask a question and you can say, well, do you mind stopping by my classroom and taking a look at this? Or can we, can we think through this problem together? You know, I've got these students that, um, that have been in a group together that just, just aren't picking up what I'm putting down and you can work through those problems of practice with the people that are thinking about it and, and doing it every day uh, alongside you. So it's not 
like going to a conference. It's not like going to a workshop where you get a binder and you open it up and we're gonna, we're gonna pull a worksheet out and we're gonna work on page one and I'm gonna do this activity and everything's great uh, because we know it's not great. The, the key to cooperative learning is, like you said, sticking with it, not, not living in that, um, not letting that implementation dip really uh, impact your practice and that you're going to um, kind of motor through it and you're gonna learn from your mistakes and you're gonna learn with a, with a friend. Yeah, I think I think just, you know, to, to Adam's point, like realizing that that implementation dip is going to be there and acknowledging that it, it will be there and it will be present and there, you're, it's going to take longer for you to try, try to get through, um, to try to learn how to do it and you're going to get better at it um, over time, which is why I don't try to do everything all at once. The other thing I'd add too is just like if you're going to get coached by somebody or if you have a boss, if you are in that boat, and make sure that they actually know about cooperative learning as you're talking through it, as you're kind of going through it, like talk them through, okay, these are the five essential elements. Can you look for, am I doing this positive interdependence piece right? They may not know the vocabulary if they're not familiar with all of the pieces here. And that's the common vocabulary is really important. One of the ways that we started in our district was that all the administrators got trained. But as you started to overturn some of those administrators, it became harder to have everybody be on the same uh, page as far as the common vocabulary, the common usage, how this works, understanding the implementation dip, even though that happens in all practices, it definitely happens when you're changing mindsets. And um, yeah, you can be better uh, without doing this initially, but you're going to really see gains as you go. And when you see those gains, I think recognizing that they aren't going to be these big wins or they might not be these aha moments they're not it's not an epiphany it's those little teeny tiny wins it's when you see two students you know celebrate a success together when you see um a group you know when they get stuck on a problem they look to the group next to them rather than immediately coming to the teacher for help when um when you see you know those assessments get passed back and you see a lot of high fives because we're celebrating each other's you know you know learning those are the those are the those little tiny bits and pieces of wins that start to add up into a culture shift within your classroom. And uh, I think that's, that's a refreshing piece to see. And sometimes you get lost in it. There are going to be a lot of setbacks. There are going to be a lot of frustrations. Well, and you talk about culture, Adam, and it's our job as instructional coaches, as department chairs, as principals, as assistant principals, as school leaders, we have to stress to, to teachers that, that same culture of learning that we're trying to get kids to roll with their failures, you know, and, and get that help, you know, from the guide on the side, you know, or from each other, we want our teachers to be able to stumble and reflect and, and lean on somebody else and say, Hey, how do I get kids to do this a little bit better? But it's, it's accepting that failure and rolling with it. Um, And that's the culture of learning that we want. So um, it, it's no different for our students than it is for us. Yeah, the the piece about, um, and all of us have said it now, and I'll just reiterate the fact that you need, you need a buddy, you need a friend, you need somebody that's going to help you through the tougher times. You need somebody to watch you. You need somebody that's going to help you and be able to support you. And and really, that's, that's all one of the hallmarks of cooperative learning is, right, is that you have a buddy, that you have a partner that you trust and that's worthy of your trust. That's going to go along your journey of learning with you. So, I mean, it really, it really does a nice job of kind of dovetailing with the idea of cooperative learning. 
as you know those early uh, adopters within a school within within a within a district of cooperative learning, you had mentioned it before getting your your evaluators, your administrators, your your school leaders to to recognize what cooperative learning is. You know, being an advocate and and going to them, and even if they're not quite familiar with what you're trying, asking them for feedback. You know, pointing, say, you know, well, I'm really working on three C and Danielson. That's that student engagement. And, uh, you know, I'd like some feedback and I'm trying this cooperative learning thing. Can you see how this fits in? And, and being an advocate for yourself and being an advocate for the process and, and, and cooperative learning itself, but also just actively seeking that feedback. Um, it's a scary thing for any teacher to invite someone into their classroom. It's especially scary sometimes to invite your evaluator into the classroom. But if you put it out there and get out in front of it and say, I want you to tell me how to get better at this. It's really hard for someone in, in, in our position as administrators, uh, Derek, and you can speak to this. It's really hard to then go back to them and say, well, you're not doing the job in the classroom when you are being so proactive about it. And that's, uh, I, th- I think that's what we want to see with any implementation of, of new instructional practice. Yeah, I think that that's very true. And I think, uh, you know, something Adam taught me actually is just, a lot of times teachers are afraid to talk to administrators administrators are afraid to talk to teachers. And so we have this lack of communication that's happening. It, it really becomes a problem. Um, and, and if you're not willing to go in and, and say like, no, this is something that I want to try. This is something that I want to do. And I realize that it is going to, it's going to take time and I'm not going to be an expert at it initially. And I need some coaching and I need some guidance through it. Can you help me with it? I can't imagine an administrator not wanting to help you with that, an evaluator not wanting to help you get better at those things and realizing that, yeah, there's going to be some dips. I think there, there's nervousness in that. And, and it's a lot of times if you have that good, trusting, trustworthy relationship um, with someone else, boy, that's going to that's going to that's really the key. Well, you, administ- you administrators are scary, aren't you? So I, th- I think that's a good uh, good pausing place for us. Um, next week we'll come back and I, and I want to get more into this idea of what kind of feedback should those teachers that are new to cooperative learning be asking for? Um, you know, what does it look like when you invite that friend to come in, uh, and you're just new to cooperative learning? What do you want them to be looking for with that? Let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the building the cooperative classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson and Johnson cooperative learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.